On a hunch, I looked through several children's Bibles over this last week looking for the Martha and Mary story we just heard. And at least in the ones I saw, my hunch was confirmed. Not a single one contained the story of Martha doing all the chores, Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, and Jesus telling Martha that Mary had it right. No parent wants their child to hear that story. (laughs) Don't do your chores, kids. Just sit around and talk about Jesus. To be fair, both Mary and Martha, both work and rest, are required. we got to get our chores done. we got to get our work done, and we want to strive for excellence in what we do. Mary is not the patron saint of laziness, though. She could be called the patron saint of setting aside all distractions and serenely receiving the word of God. Martha, on the other hand, wanted to receive the word of God. Indeed, she had invited Jesus into her home, but then she was too busy being a host so that she couldn't just be with Jesus. She was like the people described in Amos 8.12, scurrying around searching for the word of God and not finding it. Martha has become a symbol for our time and our culture, searching frantically for some peace, for some good news, for some way to keep our heads above water. Many of us even invite Jesus in, but we're so busy and distracted that we never actually find the peace, good news, and salvation for which we're so frantically searching. Mary found the word of God in Jesus and knew her search was over. She could rest. And so can we, when we will but choose to. I'm guessing for many of us the thought that it's actually good not to work for a while... And just rest at Jesus' feet is probably a kind of nice thought. Now, that's not what our economy would probably say, not what businesses might encourage. We may even feel bad about taking the rest, shamed by all the frantically searching Marthas. But looking at God's plan from the beginning, rest and intentional time taking rest is such an integral part of what it is to be human. That it is even part of the image of God in which we were made. God rested on the seventh day just spending time with creation and with God's self. I'm not particularly good at this. Kristen encouraged me to rest last Monday. Not to do a whole lot. Just relax. Spend time with the kids. I don't relax very well, was my reply. She persisted, so I relented and spent time time resting and being with the kids. And it was a great, grace-filled day. Jesus was there in that time spent with family, in the rest and the Sabbath. Looking at our traditional way of resting in the Word, we gather in our church for worship and communion for about an hour each Sunday. Let's be honest that for many folks nowadays, coming to a church service isn't exactly the first and best idea of rest or something particularly enjoyable for a lot of folks. There are hard benches, old music, stories from an ancient book, sit, stand, kneel, and that's one way to experience worship. Here's another. We join in prayers and a way of worship going back over a thousand years. 
joining with Christians from the earliest days of Christianity. We gather together with a community of faith and doubt. We sit at the feet of Jesus who is unseen and yet ever present. We collect our prayers along with the prayers of others. And we set aside the worries of the day for a short respite. Bring those worries here to lay down that heavy burden at the altar and take up the yoke of Jesus, his way and teaching, his life and guidance, and to receive his love. Now, taking up Jesus' yoke and receiving his love means that we have to let our guard down a bit when coming to church. For one thing, we have to see the cross. We have to admit that we don't have it all together. We have to admit that as good a person as each of us are, we're also not great people. Meaning that we all hurt each other. We are all broken people who hurt each other out of our brokenness. By coming to worship at a church, we have to acknowledge that. And we have to acknowledge our need for God to redeem us with himself. Then we also get to accept God's acceptance of us. God loves and accepts us not because we're good and not in spite of our flaws. God loves and accepts us completely irrespective of our flaws because of how good God is. To accept God's acceptance of us, we have to let go of our shame, which keeps telling us we're not worthy of God's love. Lay that shame down at the foot of the cross and accept that we are worthy of God's love and belonging, simply because God loves us and wants us to belong to him. Period. We don't earn God's love and belonging. On the one hand, we can't earn it. On the other hand, we don't have to. We belong to God because we are beloved of God, because God chooses to love us no matter what. Seeing the cross and then accepting God's acceptance is why we come here for worship and communion. These ideas are expanded on beautifully in John Newton's book, Falling into Grace, which I've mentioned several times before, and I continue to recommend it to you. With all of the fear and the anger and the hatred in our world, we need to know that we belong and we are loved. Spending time like Mary did, resting in the word of God, tells us that we belong and that we are loved. So for an hour a week, we get to soak in that. We get to be lazy. We get to sit and kneel and stand. And not work. So that we can see the cross and accept God's acceptance of us. We get to be lazy when we're here. In the Episcopal Church, you don't even have to work all that hard at praying. It's all written down in the Book of Common Prayer. You've got a script. (laughs) And I also realize having this worship service is work for some. Our altar guild prepares our space for worship. Our ushers greet and guide us. Our music leaders help us to pray through music and song. 
Our lectors, acolytes, and Eucharistic ministers help us to receive the word of God in scripture and sacrament. And our vestry members do just about everything on a Sunday morning, especially, if not primarily, making coffee the eighth sacrament. (laughs) So there is work involved in Sunday morning. But that work is geared toward our rest. We're both Martha and Mary. So then with that work and rest, what about when we mess up? We say the prayer is wrong or sing out of tune or spill the red wine all over someone's beautiful white white silk dress. As far as I know, that last one hasn't happened. And honestly, I'd advise against wearing a white silk dress. The altar rail. But if someone messes up, cool. This is a place of prayer and grace. Of mercy, forgiveness, and love. What if the kids are too loud or rambunctious? Okay. They're kids. Jesus said, let them come to me. Out there, we're constantly struggling to keep up our appearances of perfection or of having it all together. And it's exhausting. In here, when we gather for worship, or any time we gather as a community, we get to be imperfect. We get to acknowledge the fact that we don't have it all together. That we mess up. That our kids are loud. We get to be our true, authentic, flawed selves. And we get to be loved for being those true, authentic, flawed selves. That's what seeing the cross and accepting God's acceptance is all about. Getting to be our true, authentic, flawed selves and getting to be loved for being those true, authentic, flawed selves is what sitting at the feet of Jesus allows us to do. Rather than striving for perfection, we can just be. We can strive for excellence in our worship and in our preparation of this space, just like we strive for excellence in our lives then when we inevitably fall short of that excellence, we can laugh and smile and give thanks, both for the striving and the falling short. After all, we didn't come here for excellence. We come here for Jesus. Jesus doesn't come here because we are excellent or perfect. Jesus comes here because we are his and we belong. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.